You are listening to the weekly podcast of City Church Orlando, located just off of 1792 at 650 Airport Boulevard in Sanford, Florida. Our website, orlandocitychurch.org. Today, Lead Pastor Eugene Smith will continue with our series called Humbug to Alleluia. In this time that we live in, things can easily rob us of our joy and peace. This Christmas, it is time for us to awaken the joy of the season, Jesus. Our scripture text comes from Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 39. Today's message is entitled, Awaken the Joy. Over the last, starting last weekend through the Christmas season, our series is From Humbug to Hallelujah. Everyone say, Humbug. humbug. Everyone say, hallelujah. hallelujah. Now, if you were here last week, last week there was a big hallelujah as we finished and worshiping the Lord and we we, we finished with that song, Oh, Come, Let Us Adore Him. We were like the man, the Bible says in the book of Mark, that had chains. But when he began to worship Jesus, those chains fell. And so last week, we dropped Christmas chains. And this morning, we're going to reawaken the joy that's found in Christ this Christmas. We're going to reawaken the joy. Now, we have done Advent here and once again, to repeat myself, but it bears uh, repeating, we've done Advent for the last five years where we've actually lit a candle, and every week represents a different week. And this week is the candle of joy. See, it takes faith to please God. It takes faith to, re, to relinquish the chains that hold us back. But the second candle that we're going to light today is the candle of joy. And the, the scripture passage is found in Luke's Gospel, chapter 1. And it's the Song of Mary. The Song of Mary. Mary had uh, heard from her cousin Elizabeth that Elizabeth was pregnant. But she had also had an encounter. She had also had an experience. And her experience, her experience was that of an angel coming to her and telling her that she was going to carry the Christ child. The one who had been promised to her father Abraham 2,000 years before. The Bible says that God told Abraham, Through your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. You shall have a seed. You shall have a son. And the fulfillment of that promise came through Jesus. And when Mary began to express her thanksgiving to God, it literally came out in a song. And her worship was full of joy. Now, sometimes when you're in the middle of it, you don't sense it, but I came from outside to inside. And as I came from outside the building, walking into while you were the place where you were worshiping, it was evident that God's presence was here. And when God's presence is here, the miraculous and the supernatural is always released. And Mary begins to release this song. It's actually a prophetic song. And beginning with verse 46, the Bible says, And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud and the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. He has spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed 
forever. God's speaking to you today. As Mary was filled with joy that day 2,000 years ago, I believe this morning we can rediscover, we can reawaken it, we can experience the joy of Christ this Christmas season. And that's the question we want to answer. I want you to bow your heads as we open this service in prayer. Father, I pray that in these next few moments, your presence and your power that's already quite evident, Lord, would come, you would touch, you would bless, you would give every person here hearing ears to hear. I thank you for the worship that's already been expressed. I thank you for the gifts and the talents that were used this morning that brought us into your presence. I thank you, Lord Jesus, Lord, that now at the proclamation of the word of Christ, that the name of Jesus would be lifted up. Jesus, you would be honored. And even as you came into this world to be not only the forgiver of sins, but the salvation of mankind, I pray for every person here to experience true joy. We thank you last week that we left our chains. Now we ask for you to fill us with your joy, that joy that's unspeakable and full of your presence. We ask this now, Jesus, in your wonderful and your mighty name, and everyone said. Amen. The movie A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. If you haven't seen the movie, you get a chance to watch it because we're going to show it in this auditorium on December 20th at 7 p.m. Family night. It's free. We bought the rights when we bought this little thing, all the, the graphics that you see. We paid for that in the movie to use the movie. We paid to do that. And so we're going to watch this movie as a church family. It's a great version. Patrick Stewart is the star. He actually performed the person of Scrooge on stage for 10 years on Broadway. And I don't know how they decide who gets Oscars and those kind of awards, but the guy is phenomenal. And it's going to be a family time for the kids. We'll be showing the Muppet A Christmas Carol. And it's just going to be time of hot cocoa, popcorn, fun, family. Invite you to come out and check it out if you haven't seen the movie yet. Many of you have already seen it. But in the movie, Scrooge, or Ebenezer Scrooge as he is known, he encounters a ghost, and the ghost is Robert Marley. Robert Marley had been his former business partner who had passed away seven years previous. And the ghost of Marley, and I'll listen, we don't subscribe to this as being theologically correct. It's just a story. So you take the illustration as far as what it stands. And it's just a story to represent the power of change in the human life. And Robert Marley comes back and says, hey, you're going to be visited by three spirits. The spirit of, of Christmas past, the spirit of Christmas present, and the spirit of Christmas future. And, and the ghost Marley is wrapped up in chains. And I mean, he's all wrapped up in chains. He's got like a safe hanging off of him. He's got locks all over. He's all bound up. And he's wandering through the earth, and he's trying to unshackle himself from these chains, but he can't do it. One of the scenes in the movie actually shows these spirits that are floating around that are trying to help people do good, but they can't do it because they missed their opportunity while they are here on earth. And so he begins to tell him that, listen, you have the opportunity. You have the power to change now. Don't wait because when you die, it'll be too late. You know, the fact is today that every person here has had opportunities that could have led us down a good path. But we missed it. We missed that opportunity. And to experience the joy, to experience a sense of victory or a new way of life, it passed us by. Now Scrooge is getting another opportunity. And as he's looking back, he has an opportunity to recount his life, to revisit where he's at. 
You know, as you begin to read through the scriptures, this concept of joy is found all throughout the Bible. But one of the things that you will discover when joy is mentioned in the Bible, joy isn't something that just somebody continually lived in. Someone had to go through something to experience it. In other words, there had to be a problem. There had to be a pain. There had to be a circumstance and a situation where they needed a solution. They needed a victory. They needed an answer. Psalm 16 verse 11 says, The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord will show me the path of life. And in your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. At the right hand of God are his pleasures forevermore. You see, this theme of joy is found in Christ. The Bible says that for the joy that was set before him, when Jesus came to this planet, when Jesus lived on planet earth, he had one goal in mind, and that was the cross. Now let me tell you, there was a lot of stuff. There were a lot of challenges, but he never lost sight of the goal. He had lots of problems. He had people problems. He had relationship problems. He had friend problems. But through all that, the Bible says that he had a joy that was greater than anyone else that was around him. Now, I don't know about you. When I have problems, the first thing that I don't generally think of is celebration. James says it like this in James chapter 1 in the message translation. He says, consider it a sheer gift. Everyone say gift. Yeah. Now, when I have a problem, I'm usually thinking of a, as a bummer. But James says, listen, when you come up on all kinds of trials, all kinds of challenges, consider it a gift, dear friend. For when tests and challenges come at you from all sides, you know that under pressure, your faith life is forged into the open, and it shows its true colors. You see, so it's under the adversity, it's under the challenge, it's under the problems of life that who we are truly are revealed and exposed. And see, like every gift, every gift that's been given to us by God, we have a choice. I mean, the Bible, all throughout the Bible, you'll see God giving gifts to men. But whether or not that gift is utilized and is operated in and lived in your life, the choice is up to you. You see, you have to receive the gift, then you have to open the gift up out of the box, and then you have to use your gift. You have to use your gift. This morning, as we walk through the challenges of life, and as we understand that there are problems that will come our way, there is the challenge. There is the challenge to joy. There is a challenge to living the joy-filled life. And it really all has to do with perspective. It all has to do with understanding why things happen in our life. You see, there are many things in life that we'll never get a clear answer to, but that it's through that process God is doing something in us. Now, as I've looked back over my life, I've discovered that challenges, problems, things that want to rob me of my joy basically have two sources. One is internal and the other is external. I want to give you kind of some potential external joy robbers, things that have the potential that rob you of your joy. Maybe you came from a neglected or abused family. Maybe as a child, somebody did something bad to you. Maybe you've gone through a divorce or you've been mistreated by a spouse or someone who was close to you. Maybe a co-worker, you know, you, didn't, you got a job and you ended up having to work with someone that was a real pain in the neck and you couldn't get along with them. 
lack of employment. You're going to work and you're a good employee and you're doing your best and the economy takes a downshift and all of a sudden you get a pink slip and you find yourself in the unemployment line. Right now in our community, unemployment is very high and underemployment is even higher. And there's a lot of people feeling the economic crunch in our community right now. They didn't do anything. Just living life, trying to support your family. And all of a sudden, there's an external pressure that comes into our life that has the potential to steal your joy. Financial problems. Someone once said the, that the love of, of money is all evil. But other people believe that the lack of money is the root of all evil. Well, I will tell you that when we love money, many times it leads us to do the wrong things. But there's a great problem in not having enough money in our life. And it causes pressure and tension and marriages to split apart as they argue about you spent too much on this and you didn't handle this well. These relationships, these are external joy robbers which can lead to internal conflicts. Internal conflicts. I find many times with the external conflicts of life, you can just kind of block them out of your mind. The movie The Blind Side that's very popular right now, Michael Orr, the football player who just got uh, selected in the number one draft pick to the Baltimore Ravens this last year, when he's asked how did he go through all this stuff, you know, his mother was a crack addict and he never had a bed and, I mean, he never really had a home and he went from place to place and foster care to foster care. He just, he said, well, my mom told me that no matter what happens in your life, just close your eyes and pretend like it's not there. Just don't just imagine that it doesn't it's not there. Just be oblivious to what's going on around you. And a lot of times when you're a child, it's the only way that you can cope. You just got to pretend like it's not there or it doesn't really matter. But the reality is that those things they go into our heart. They go into our heart and they cause internal internal anguish and pain. We failed. We've made mistakes. We're disappointed in our station and our place of life. We're disappointed where we are today. Maybe as a child you had a dream of accomplishing or doing something, and you find yourself today just kind of on this treadmill in a job you don't like and around people that you don't really care about or in a community where you don't want to live. You're disappointed with your place in life, and it gnaws at you. It eats at you. You you had goals at one point, but you've just lost dream of any goal, of any kind of difference in your life. You're frustrated over a mistake or a sin or a problem that's habitual or repetitive in your life. You're disappointed that you've made it that you've done that same thing again and you find yourself frustrated and angry at yourself. You're unhappy with the way you look. You're too big, you're too small, your nose is too big, you don't have enough hair, you're, whatever your issue, you're unhappy with the way you look, you don't like your body image, you don't like the person that you think that other people see you as being. These are internal things that gnaw at us and rob us of our joy. Not being successful in a career track that we've chosen. Not achieving. Maybe we feel like we're unlucky in love. We've gone from relationship to relationship and haven't found the right spouse. And You know, every time I put a list up like this, I, I, I hate to do that almost because there's something maybe that's not on here that you're dealing with. And so i got a line there. You put it in your line. You put in the thing that you've struggled and you've wrestled with. These things are internal joy robbers. They keep us from experiencing, from reawakening, from experiencing the joy that God has for our life. But I've discovered that if we're going to reawaken, if we're going to experience the joy that Christ has for us today, we have to deal with our past. we got to deal with our past. 
This is just, I mean, it seems really basic, but you got to look back just like Ebenezer did as he was taken to his past. you got to go back. And then when you look forward from your past, you, re- you hear the words of Paul the Apostle, all things have passed away and all things have become new. You see, when you look at your past, when you look at your past, many times if you fail to move forward from that, these things, these internal and external pressures of life become like weights. In Hebrews chapter 12, it actually uses this phrase, I'm going to come down here and I'm going to try to carry this weight. You have someone that did something to you. Or you have a a frustration with a failure that you keep finding yourself in over and over. And you're walking through life. You walk through life carrying a weight. And you put it up on your back, you know, because you want to stand tall. But, but Nick, this, come, come, let's take that weight from me there. That's a heavy weight. And the, what happens in our life is that we have these things that have robbed us of our, I'll come over to this side so we'll be an equal opportunity weight lifter here this morning. We'll come over here and we'll give Derek an opportunity to lift this weight. Just walk around and hand that weight to people, see if they can lift that. That weight in your life. Paul the Apostle, he says, listen, you got to throw off everything that hinders every weight, every sin that so easily entangles us. How do we do that? How do we throw that weight off? See, that weight represents the challenges of your past that you haven't been able to overcome. Just carry that weight. Just, just hold on to that weight and think of that problem in your life. Think of that situation in your life that's held you back. That limitation that's wrapped itself around your mind and you can't see your life differently because it keeps coming up over and over and over. And sometimes I think, well, I've said this before and I've preached this before, but I want you to know today, I know that in this room there are weights that need to be lifted. There are weights that need to be thrown off. And so as we look at the past and we deal with the past, we have to throw off those weights that so easily beset us. But the only way that we can do that, folks, the only way that that can happen in our life is that we begin to understand why we're here. We begin to understand the purpose. You see, Christ came. The sinless Son of God came through the Mother Mary. And He came into this world. And from the moment that He was born on planet Earth, His mission and His purpose was clearly set before Him. He actually says these words when they were talking about his mission in life. He said, I only do what I see the Father doing. The prophet declares that before the foundations of the world, the Lamb of God was slain. See, Jesus had a mission. He had a purpose. That mission and purpose was to, was to go to the cross. And as we deal with our past, those things, those offenses, those hurts, we have to release forgiveness. We have to release forgiveness. You know, challenges that have happened in your life, people that have done things to you, forgiveness is an option. For many people, this is the weight that keeps them back. The inability to forgive someone else. The inability. They want to, but that memory is so painful, that hurt is so painful, that they hold them captive. They hold the person captive. They hold the individual responsible. You see, today, you're never going to forget those things that have happened in your past. One of the great misnomers is that somehow you can forget. The reality is, although things may grow 
grow dim and there'll be a distant memory of a, few, of a past life. The reality of those things will always be there. But you've got to release forgiveness. The responsibility to hold that person captive. And that's what happens. And until we do, until we deal with that issue, we'll never experience true joy. We'll walk around as a Christian. We'll walk as a, around as a person who worships God, who has experiences forgiveness, but never experiences his salvation and his deliverance. That weight will hold us down. Jesus, when he was talking about the kind of life that he came to give his followers, he teaches them all these things about the believer's life. He teaches them about how to have a blessed life. Robert Schuller uses the word happy called the, the happy attitudes. Jesus gave all these lists of things, what the kingdom of heaven is like, what the happy life is like, what the joy-filled life is like. And then he says, but when you pray, pray to your Father who is in heaven. Pray in this way. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then, then he says these words. He says, but when you pray, if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, their offenses, the weights that they have put on you, your Father will not forgive you. Until you deal with forgiveness, until you release other people, until you stop holding them captive, guess what? You stay stuck. That weight remains on your back. But not only do you have to forgive others, a lot of us got to forgive ourselves. This is a huge issue right now for a lot of people, the inability to forgive themselves. Joyce Meyer right now has got a book out, and she's pushing it really hard. And, and I watched her a few moments this week with, with some guy that she was interviewing on the program. And, and the title of the book is Stop Being Mad at Yourself. Thought, wow, that's a really interesting thought. Stop being mad at yourself. And sometimes we're so mad, we're so frustrated with our own failures and the things that we've done, the mistakes, and we look at our life, and, and we, we fail to realize we fail to, that when we come to Christ— Old things really are passed away. That God on his ledger sheet has wiped the slate clean. That as far as the east is from the west, he will remember our sins no more. We ought to start to get happy in this room a little bit in just a moment here. That when we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all wrongdoing. You see, David cried out, Oh God, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Forget, Lord, forget all the sins that I committed as a youth. See, God forgives, but he also forgets. He doesn't hold you hostage. As a matter of fact, he does exactly the opposite. He gives you freedom. He gives you life from the tyranny, from the trials. Come on, amen. Paul said it like this. There is no condemnation awaiting those who belong to Christ Jesus. For the power of the life-giving spirit, and this power is mine through Christ, has freed me from the vicious cycle of failure and death. It's freed you from it. God's grace is here for you today. As you forgive not only others, you forgive yourself. The power of forgiveness is released. You see, Scrooge was full of bitterness. He couldn't say Merry Christmas. He walked through life angry, bitter. I mean, he was an extreme example. But sometimes we've held on to our own stuff, our own weights. We're trying, you know, we're like that man that we learned about last week in Mark's gospel where, where Jesus had came to him and he cries out to Jesus. He runs to him and he begins to worship him. But then he begins to argue with him. You know, part of him wanted to be free from the chain, but the other part still wanted to hold on to it. And today I want you to know that when, 
when God comes in his grace and his mercy to reawaken the joy. I want you to go for it and abandon it. Putting old things behind. Pressing on to a new day. Pressing on to a new start. Jesus said, I've come to give life and to give it to you more abundantly. But how do we take that weight off? See, you've got to live in the present. Some of us are stuck living life looking in the rearview mirror. Can't do that, guys. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are. God wants you to live now looking towards eternity. Looking towards the end. Running the race. Paul says, the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me. And he gave himself for me. He loved you today. He gave himself for you. The life that we live, we live by faith looking to the future. The future with hope. The future of a preferred future. In Ephesians chapter 1, it's, it's, just, it's one of the great discourses that Paul ter- tells the church at Ephesus. And it begins to explain to them, and it begins to talk to them about how they came into the world, and how Christ came, and what he desired to do. And in Ephesians chapter 1, Paul says it like this to them. He says, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy without blame, before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. You see, God chose you in him. God chose you in him. He chose you. You didn't choose God. God chose you. When he made you, he created you. He put a divine deposit, a seed. It's been covered over by the pain. It's been covered over by the dirt, the stuff of life. But there's the divine seed. He chose you. He created you to be whole in him. Did you hear that today? He created you to be whole. He created you so that you wouldn't have to carry around a weight and a chain and a safe and a wrong understanding and purpose about your life. When I was a little boy, we learned this word sanctification. And I remember having to write that word out on a little three-by-five card and write the definition, and I still didn't understand it. I mean, I had to memorize it. I had to, it was a little doctrine statement, and I had to memorize it, and I still didn't understand. I could say it real good. I've been saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. I understand the word sanctification. But if somebody just said it meant to be whole, to be complete, to be who God created you to be, I could wrap my mind around that. To be set apart for a divine purpose. You see, the thing that separates winners from losers in life, the thing that separates people who have joy or who walk around, bah, humbug, discourage, and frustration, is attitude. It's attitude. Chuck Swindoll says it like this. We cannot change our past. We cannot change the fact that people act in a certain wage. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play on the one string we have, and that is our attitude. you got one string. It's your attitude. And your attitude will determine your altitude. You see, when you have the right attitude, it produces great freedom. Viktor Frankl, who experienced torture and imprisonment under the hands of cruel Nazi tor- uh, tormentors, he said this. He said, you can take away every one of my freedom, but you can't take away the freedom that I have to choose. And you have freedom today to choose You choose righteousness, joy, and peace. You choose this gift. It's yours. God has given it to you. He's presented it to you. Everything that you have need of for a life of righteousness and godliness has already been given to you when Christ came into the world. Give the Lord a great big hand clap this morning.
Sometimes our frustrations is because we're trying to be someone that we're not. There's a book. It's, it's called The Emotionally Healthy Church. But the author of the book has a chapter. It's entitled The Gift of Limitation. The Gift of Limitation. You know, as a young boy, I wanted to play basketball. I love basketball. I love basketball so much that I slept with a basketball in my bed. I slept with a basketball and a, and a little, like a, a knife. I had a basketball, baseball bat, a knife, and about 15 pillows. I built this little fortress. But I would lay there in my bed at night, and I would shoot baskets. And I would shoot baskets over and over and over and over. The problem was at the age of 12, I was four foot two, a white Jewish boy with a big nose, and I couldn't jump. Now, I played a lot of basketball, and I was pretty good for my level. But let me tell you, the first time that I got to play with some guys that could play basketball, I realized that this was not going to be a professional career track for me. No matter how much I loved Kareem Abdul, or no matter how much I loved you know, Jerry West or whoever the players were of the day, no matter how much I tried to imitate the way that they shot the ball, no matter how good I could even shoot the ball, I had limitations, and I had to accept that reality. And the fact is, is that you can't be everything. But what you can be is the person that God created you to be. And that brings great liberation and great freedom. Come on, amen. I mean, think about it. Think about it. The gift of limitation. Elizabeth, who was Mary's first cousin, if she wouldn't have given birth to John the Baptist, she just would have been another girl who lived in her generation. See, the gift of limitation is she knew who she was. Mary herself, a young girl, 14, 15 years of age, would have just been another girl. But she had a divine mission. She had a divine purpose. You know, Mary never healed anybody. Mary never saved anybody. Mary had one sole responsibility on the earth, and that was to give birth to the Savior, the Son of God, the Messiah, Jesus Christo, to the Lord Jesus Christ himself. She had one mission. She fulfilled that mission in life. Her limitation her limitation. I want you to know today. I want you to know today when you begin to release this, when you begin to get this off of you that you're somebody, you're trying to be somebody that you're not and you're just being who God created you to be. Joy. Joy in knowing who you are and accepting who you are and walking that out allows God to use you in a way that only He can use you because you have a mission. We can't talk about this enough. The unstoppable you. You're unstoppable until you breathe your last breath. And if you fulfill the mission, guess what? There's a God in heaven who's cheering you on. How do you do this this morning? You see, you got to look forward to the future. In Hebrews chapter 12, we read this verse, but it says, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy that was set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sitting down at the right hand of the throne of God. David Livingston said it like this, I'll go anywhere as long as it's forward. I'll go anywhere as long as it's forward. You can't live in your past, and your present is at this moment. But when you're living in this moment, your eye is always on the eternal prize. Fixing your eyes on Jesus You see, you are going to spend eternity if you're a believer with Jesus. And the way that you get through this life, the way that you're able to deal with the pain and the problems and the stuff and the challenges and the failures and the mistakes is by keeping your eye on Jesus. 
You see, some of you today, you're blowing it. You made a mistake. You failed. You've fallen short. You're not who you want to be. You haven't, you know, all these challenges have come into your life. And Jesus is saying, come on, look to me. He's cheering you on. The champion of heaven is cheering you on today. Look to Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Don't look to the right. Don't see Ebenezer look to money and prosperity to be the solution and the answer of the problems of his life. Uh, another person over here will look to their left and they'll think that it's about relationships. They'll think it's about having the perfect person or the perfect job or the right education and they've taken their eye off the goal. You see, when you put your trust and your confidence and hope in Jesus, when you make his kingdom your number one priority, all these other things will be added to you. See, Jesus is the focus. Jesus is the focus. People very seldom reject the true Jesus. You know, when Jesus walked on this planet, the only people that rejected him were people that had something to lose. People who were afraid. Religious people. People that, they they were afraid he was going to mess up their little prophet center. They were afraid that he was going to mess up their little religious structure and system because he was doing things differently. People came out by the thousands to hear Jesus preach. Jesus was the greatest preacher that ever lived. He was better than T.D. Jakes, Joyce Meyer, Chuck Swindoll, better than, I mean, you roll them all up into one. Jesus was the greatest communicator of truth who ever lived, and they came out by the thousands no matter where he was. Keeping your eye on him. He's the one who did it for you. He's the one who died for you. He's the one who lives for you today. He's the one, as a matter of fact, is cheering for you today. He's praying for you. Keep your focus on Jesus. And then you turn, and you take that focus, and you allow him to flow through you to touch other people. This week, this, this past Friday, you guys know it was rainy. It was cold. And uh, most people were going to Walmart, and they were trying to park as close as the, to the building as they could. And uh, so, you know, you know what happens when you try to park? I know you've never done this here before, but you don't actually park in the parking place. You actually kind of parked in that space in front that's reserved for the great big fire trucks. But you're just going to go in real fast and real quick. You know what I'm talking about? Come on. No, you didn't. I see cars there all the time. They're parked up there. They're just going to run in real quick. Well, it was raining. It was cold on Friday. And one of the young men in our church began to live out his mission, began to see other people. And while other people were running in trying to get out of the rain, this young man, and actually two young men in our church, went up to the dollar store, and they bought a hundred of these. A hundred of these. And they started handing them out at Walmart. They started, they started handing people, say, hey, God bless you. Jesus loves you. They started blessing. While other people were running and trying to park in illegal places and trying to get out of the rain, a little simple act of kindness given to someone made an incredible impact. People were blown away. I was, saw it on Facebook. I can't believe there's these people, these people down at uh, uh, Walmart, and they're handing away free umbrellas. See, what happened? Someone who was touched with the mission stopped focusing on themselves and started thinking about others. You see, it was a kind. It was what Jesus would do. It, was, it went from taking your focus on yourself and your problems and And what happens, the moment that you do that, the moment that you begin to turn that, all of a sudden, the things that you're going through, they just kind of lose their power. There's stronghold over your life. Because when Dave called me and he told me what he did, if I could bottle up that joy and sell it that he had inside, he was over the phone. It was like he was about ready to jump through the phone. He was like, he couldn't even contain the joy. You see, because the joy of the Lord is your strength. 
See, when you begin to turn that focus on others, then Christ in you, the hope of glory, is being released. And then I want you to hear this last verse. Say, I want you to hear what happens, what Paul says will take place. Paul said, this is the only race. He's getting to the very end of his life. He's getting ready to go on to the other side. He said, this is the only race worth running. I've run hard right to the finish, believed all the way. And what's left now is the shouting. What's left now is the shouting. The God applause. Depend on it. He's an honest judge. He'll do right not only by me, but by everyone eager for his coming. Did you hear that? I want you to hear that one more. You didn't hear that. What's left now is the shouting. The God applies. See, on the other side, there's a host of heaven and the Lord Jesus Christ himself, our God and our Savior. And he's shouting and he's cheering and he's clapping and he's saying, come on, get up, run that race. Come on, you can finish. You can run all the way to the end. Come on, don't look to the left. Don't look to the right. Come on, keep your eyes. Come on, come on, he's shouting. Come on, the God applause of heaven. Come on, yes. Thanks for listening to this message, Awaken the Joy, with lead pastor Eugene Smith. For service times and more information about City Church Orlando, please visit our website anytime at orlandocitychurch.org or call 407-321-9600.